Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Well, we were going to do something last Sunday... And I uh, had the slide already to do it and all that, and uh, I totally forgot to do that. Anybody ever forget anything around here besides me? Okay. Well, I remembered today, so we're going to do that. This is Second Timothy three, sixteen and 17. I'd like you to repeat after me or read with me. Okay, here we go. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true. And to make us realize what's wrong with our lives, it straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to talk today a little about forgetting. (laughs) And uh, now this is this is something that's become real for me in the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know about about you, but um, you can be any age and do this. Just forget things. But I just find myself once in a while now, just strangely walking into another room and then wondering why I'm there. Why why did I get here? What did I come for? Uh, And, you know, you're just kind of like blank and you think. Hmm, that was an interesting situation. It actually happened to me uh, a little bit last week. <laughs> I don't know if those of you that were here, um, you just had that little glitch moment. And uh, I remember it happened to me one time when I was pastoring in San Jose. This is only about maybe five years ago or so. And I was, I was, I thought I was doing a pretty decent job of preaching and stuff. And and all of a sudden, I was. Once in a while, you know, I get on a rabbit trail, right? I, I get off a little, just a little bit, right? And so I, I knew where I was headed, what I was going to say, and it totally all went blank. And I remember I was just standing there, and I, and I was going to say the next thing, and it didn't come out. And and I had to just stand there. And then I said, hold on a second. It'll come back. And it did. Now, for me, it was an eternity. For the congregation, I guess they said, oh, pfft, no problem, you know. It was just like two seconds, right? But to me, I, I kind of got panicked, right? You get panicked when you, when you forget something. Um, and, you know, that happens. It happens. It, it's, it's human. Um, judges, if you have your Bible, your Bible app, you get that open today. We're going to be in Judges. And here we are in Judges chapter 3, and it says this, verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God. Now, can you imagine that? There's something that, that connects doing evil with forgetting about God. Interesting. Interesting. You know, forgetting doesn't always mean that we don't remember. It uh, sometimes means that we choose not to act on what we already know. 
give an example. Um, we know we shouldn't eat certain things, right? But we do. We know we should exercise, but we don't, right? We know we shouldn't put things on our credit card when we really don't need them or can't afford them, but we do. Uh, We know we shouldn't watch certain things on TV, but we find ourselves doing that. We know we shouldn't drink and drive. Makes sense, but it happens. We know we shouldn't text and drive. We know we shouldn't text and drink and drive all at the same time. (laughs) Right? But we find ourselves doing that. And, and we know we shouldn't talk negatively about people, right? But we find ourselves doing these things. Why? Is it because we forgot that these are things we should or shouldn't do? Or is it just that we have selective forgetfulness, right? The biblical example, of course, The Bible says that God forgives and literally forgets our sin. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. And when we embrace that forgiveness, God says that your sin is forgiven. And I will remember your sin no more. Now, has God forgotten? Uh, Isaiah 43:25 says this, I even I am he who blots out your sins, your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. I want to give you an, another translation of that. It says, I yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my sake and I will never think of them again. Subtle difference, isn't it? But what it really is saying here is God doesn't forget anything. He chooses not to act on what he remembers. It's selective forgetfulness. Someone sins against you. You have the choice to forgive and to forget means that you're not going to dredge that up again. You're not going to think about it over and over and over again. You're choosing to forget, right? So there's a difference here, and we need to know that's true. Uh, Tim Keller, a wonderful pastor, I love many of the things he's written. He says, when it says the Israelites forgot God, is to say that they no longer were controlled by what they knew. They knew who God was and what he wanted. Those things were not real to them. That's the problem we face today. What we know with our heads is not real to our hearts and our whole being. We may acknowledge intellectually that something is true, but in our heart of hearts, it doesn't grab us or penetrate us or control us. Though we know truths about God, we can very easily lose the sense upon our hearts of their reality. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that when we embrace God's forgiveness and, and, and choose to become a follower of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is set into our hearts, to our minds, and he takes up residence there. And he's there to comfort 
and to remind us of who we are in Christ. Uh, there's there's a, a phrase in Scripture uh, when it refers to the Holy Spirit. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word for filled means to be controlled completely by something. Does make sense? It is the Holy Spirit is there to convict us of sin that we might be dabbling in, to remind us that that sin has been forgiven, to remind us that with His power and, and the, the help of God's Spirit and His people, that we can overcome that sin. We know that for sure. But sometimes we don't listen. We don't allow God's Spirit, who's desperately trying to remind us of the right things, especially that we're forgiven, and yet we don't allow him to control us completely, right? We allow other things to occupy our mind, our time, our thinking. And so other things start to control us. So, so the, you know, the, the question in our minds sometimes is, do we have everything that we need to live the life that God asks us and encourages us to live because he knows it's the best thing for us? And, and, and it, it's very interesting. He says, for my sake... God is saying that he's forgetting this about our sin for his sake too. He doesn't want to have to to deal with that anymore. And so it has been dealt with. Jesus died for our sins. We are covered. We are forgiven people. He doesn't want to remember that either. He wants to remember the good, the forgiveness, what his son Jesus has done for us. And so he chooses to set our sin aside and forget that, not dredge it up and move on and encourage us now to live in a way that we are created to live in that forgiveness. So um, turn over to Second Peter 1. Interesting passage. Starts at verse 3. It says this, By His, God's divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. Is that an amazing statement or what everything i mean we have no excuse right we have everything that we need he has given us his word he's given us forgiveness through his son he's given us now the power of the spirit in our lives to remind us to comfort us to encourage us we've been given everything we need for living a godly life we have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Wow! We're created in the likeness and the image of God. And when he plants his spirit in us, we share in that divine nature, that image of God takes up residence in us. And so we now can reflect his image as we were intended to be image bearers. It says, these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The things that, that get our attention are the desires of the human flesh, right? The the, the Things that, that look so good that we think, oh, that's going to bring me pleasure. Those are the things that distract us. Verse 5, it says, in view of all this, 
make every effort to respond to God's promises. You see, here's the action that, that we're involved that in. we encourage each other to live the lives that we were created to live is that we know it's there. We read it, we see it, we hear it, we understand it. Does it take hold of us? Do we allow those promises to be the controlling agents of our life? So we need to take every effort. It's going to take a little work to do this. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Wow. And to moral excellence uh, with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And with self-control, patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. That's that friendship love. And then the brotherly affection Love for everyone. There's this progressive way in which we approach our life that if we want to be image bearers and really reflect the love, the compassion, and the grace of God, what do we do? We have to work at it. But it starts with knowing what God's Word says we were created for. We were created to be with Him and He with us. And then we make every effort to take those promises of God and then to put them into action. And it's hard work. It's hard work. Now, verse 8 says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting, there it is, Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. This is a key to our Christian life. It it is the thing that unlocks the reality of being being in a position where you feel like you're making a difference. You know, when you get to that, that point of retirement, and there's a few of us that are there and beyond, right? Or you're approaching it, and you're wondering... What am I going to do in retirement? Right? Do I just, you know, take up golf, you know, and frustrate myself for the rest of my life, you know? Uh, what do I do? Do I take up woodworking, you know? Do, am I I'm going to be a painter? Uh, am, I, am I going to volunteer my, my life away? What, what are you going to do with your life after you're, quote, retired? You know, it's not just retired people. I think everyone longs to be productive and feel like you're making a difference. You're useful. Right? You've got purpose in your life. You're not just going through the motions. You're not just, you know, working to make some money so I can eat and go do it again. You know? We all feel like we want to be special, important. And God says, you are. I created you because I want you to experience my love for you, but also you are a special agent planted on the in the world to do what? To bring people to an awareness of they're, they're an amazing creation of God. Yeah, we're here to help one another know that you are a, a valuable asset to the world. You're valuable to your friend. You're valuable to your family. You're valuable to the workforce that you're in. You're valuable to your neighborhood. I mean, you know, you've got neighbors right now who are struggling and you may not even know it. I mean, you know, we, we get a phone call 
from our neighbor across the way who tells us that our other neighbor had a young, young man, probably in his early 30s, his wife passed away. Wow. Well, we've had conversations with him. You know, we walk the dog and we say hi and, and, and we know what business he's doing and had him come over and do a little, you know, assessment for our back patio and things like that. And, you know, we know him. But wow, all of a sudden, am I going to use that relationship to comfort and encourage? Right? Janice and I went over there yesterday just to, just to give our condolences, you know, spend time with him and, you know, follow up. See, we're there to make a difference. And that starts with just being accessible, making yourself Known in your community, sharing with people that, that you, you care about them like God cares about you. That's how we do it, right? Well, the question is, why do we forget? Right? Why do we forget so often? Anyone here heard the term squirrel? Well, I, I guess you've seen the Doug, uh, is Doug up there? There he is, yeah, there's my man, right? Um, I actually had it as a gift, but it didn't work. Okay, so, you know, I was just like, he's <gasps> squirrel, right? I mean, squirrels are the things that get Doug's attention. I mean, he can be talking and, and you know, really, really focused on one thing, and all of a sudden, whoop! All of us have done it, right? All of us have done it. That's why we all chuckled a little bit. But it's very interesting how easy it is to get distracted. Uh, I mean, plain and simple, getting distracted usually involves um, some level of pleasure or enjoyment that we perceive can be had if we do the other thing, right? I mean, all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, you know, I was planning to go to do this and I made a promise to actually be there and be involved, but man, my, my buddy just scored tickets to this game and you want to go and then we're stuck right what am i going to do am i going to do what i committed myself to or am i going to take advantage of this once in a lifetime opportunity right anybody else here besides me done that right i mean we get this special opportunity and, and we're and we're tempted to go against what we know we are committed to it's right here in uh, in Judges 2. It's, it says that uh, in verse 7, they serve the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. These are talk, this is talking about the children of Israel, the people who followed the one true God. It says they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Now, the Asherah poles were specifically related to sexual activities. Uh, you might have heard this before, but... Uh, there were several religions during the time of Jesus that uh, had temples, and those temples had temple prostitutes. And that they would actually recruit people to come and be a part of their temple worship, because if you had sex with a temple prostitute, it was considered an act of worship to their God. Well, you can tell they probably had great recruitment, you know, events. Sounds sick and wrong, right? 
And yet, there's so many similar things going on today, right? The things that we think are going to bring us pleasure that, in the end, don't really pay off, right? They, they don't sustain us with good things. Um, they basically are, are things that maybe distract us, and for a short time, they bring pleasure, but in the long run, they don't, right? Our money is spent, our time is wasted, and what have we got in return? Pleasure for a moment, but it doesn't help us become more godly, more focused on our relationship with, with God and with Jesus. Verse 8 says this, Then the, the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to King Cushan, uh, Rithashayim, and Aram Naharaim, and the Israelites served Cushan Rathathayim. Okay, boy, if anybody else can figure that one out, you tell me, okay, afterwards. Uh, but they basically what it's saying here is that they served this foreign king, right, who was over them for eight years. Now, keep in mind, this is the land that they were supposed to go in and God was going to give them. But remember, they didn't fully obey God and take and clear the land. And so they lived among the pagans. And those pagans then, what did, what happened? They, they started to oppress the people of Israel. But then in verse 9, it says, The people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, and God raised up a rescuer to save them. We're going to see this over and over and over and over again in the book of Judges. The people did not clear out the the land of the influence of pagan worship and worshiping pagan gods. And so then they enjoyed what they were thinking was enjoyment for a period of time until then the oppressors came upon them, enslaved them, controlled them. And then because of that oppression, the people of God finally say, oh, yeah, our God is the strongest force in the universe and he could actually rescue us from this oppression. And so what do they do when things get finally bad enough? You cry out for help. Anybody else been there, done that? You just let it go down and down and down until finally you've got to cry out for help. Right. Well, the good news is, is that God loves you. And even if you've messed up, he still loves you. And if you get to that point where you cry out for help, God not only hears, but he he acts. And the way he acts is he, he creates someone to, to raise up. Now, this is a direct reference to Jesus being raised from the dead. Okay. He raises someone up to rescue them. And it's always an image of Christ. Well, how do we make sure that we don't forget everything that God has done for us? I think we've got the information here. Number one, ask for God's help. Right? You find yourself doing things that you shouldn't do. You know, you start dabbling with things and and you find you don't have the joy of of Christ in your life. And you're thinking, man, you know, this is not what I what I planned on on doing and, and being as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. I need some help. So what do we do? We ask God for his help and not only ask, you expect him to answer. Right. Expect him. Believe in him. Believe that he loves you, that he wants you to have the life that he intended you to have, and he is going to answer. 
I think that God answers in several ways, right? Uh, one way is he provided friends and family who have a like-mindedness to being people who live like God created them to live, and we need to engage their help. Sometimes that starts with some kind of confession, right? This is where I am. This is how I'm feeling. I need some help. And it's not always a, a sin issue. Sometimes it's just that you get to, to the your wits in and you just don't know which end is up and you think, man, I... I'm just at a point where I need some other engagement with me, somebody to help me move forward, someone who's godly. And and so talk to a friend, talk to a family member, talk to somebody that, that you know loves Jesus like you do and wants to move forward and can come alongside you and help you. Remember, you are a forgiven child of God. You also might need some physical reminders, Right? Some physical reminders. It's always good. God said, hey, write things on your doorpost, put them on your gate, um, put them up there so you can see and remember who you are, that you've been forgiven, that God loves you, right? That you have purpose in life. So here's a couple of ideas. Make a T-shirt with forgiven on it, right? Or, you know, Team Jesus, uh, follower of Jesus, whatever it takes for you to do that so that you remember, Right? Um, some people, they have a bracelet or a necklace or a ring or, dare I say it, tattoo. Um, right? Adopt adopt a better-than-I-deserve response. Some of you, when you see me and you say, hey, Bruce, how's it going? Nine times out of ten, I'll say, better than I deserve. And I, I do that intentionally. Not for you, but for me. Okay? So that I remember that I am always much better than I deserve. Because if I got what I deserved, you know, if I ever got to that place and God, I, you know, give me what I deserve. You know, I've been worked hard at this. He'd go, poof, right? And that'd be a little pile of dust down the, right? So I remind myself all the time, no, God has been gracious to me. And, and even if I'm feeling bad physically, I'm much better than I deserve, right? Because Jesus interceded for me. He paid my, my, my sin debt. And I am much better than I deserve. My, my wife loves to put notes everywhere. You know? And, uh, I remember one time we were going through a real hard time. Um, and we woke up in the morning and my daughter had put sticky notes everywhere. And they were verses and they were reminders of what God said about how much He loves us and cared about us and that we were going to get through it. It was amazing. We were just a puddle of tears, you know, that morning. It was great. But sometimes we have to put those reminders physically out there. I remember for a time we had, you know, um, my, my kids were, were watching a few things that they we didn't think that they should watch. And then I realized that I was watching some things I shouldn't watch on TV. And so I got that verse in, in Philippians, right, where it says, you know, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, think on these things. And I made a sign like this, and then I put it on my TV screen. Poof. And I said, okay, kids, you know, Janice, me, talking to myself here. You're going to have to move God's word out of the way to watch what you're watching. We stopped watching a lot of stuff. But I had to do that for myself, you know, to be able to control that box <laughs> that was I was staring at way too much, right? 
So if I want to do that, I've got to put reminders out there. And then I think a second thing besides asking for God's help with all the different nuances of that, what, how that help might look, is that listen to your rescuer. You know, Jesus is the rescuer. God raised up a rescuer to save them. Now, the particular rescuer, these are all going to be called judges in this book. Uh, the first judge here is Othniel. Now, what's really interesting about Othniel is that he actually was the son of Caleb's brother. Remember who Caleb was? Okay. Caleb was one of the guys that said, Caleb, we can do this. God's on our side. We're going to make this thing happen. And so it was Joshua and Caleb, two of the original spies that were sent into to Canaan at the very first, right? And they were the ones that said, we can do this. And the rest chickened out. And so they wandered around for another 38 years. Well, so this is just interesting that the judge that got raised up was part of the family of Caleb. It's like there was something that happened in that family where they had a little bit of chutzpah, okay? They, they had a, a little bit of drive. And, 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 and so they, they raised him up, raised him, him up. And it's interesting, of course, that, again, that raised up re- reflects Jesus' resurrection. There's that kind of resurrection power in that person. You know, we've been given the Spirit of God to guide us and uh, to comfort us. We need to listen to that guidance. And sometimes that guidance comes in the form of a rescuer. It could be a friend or a family member. It could be a pastor. It could be a spiritual guide, someone that you trust. Um, and so we've been given that spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26 says this, When the Father sends the counselor as my representative, and by the counselor I mean the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I myself have told you. Now, this is Jesus talking, all right? So Jesus says, the things that I have told you on, on your relationship with God, how much he loves you, how you're supposed to, be, to live in relationship to God and to other people, all those things, I'm going to send the Spirit, and he's going to be your reminder. So then there are people that, that are gifted by the Spirit, to be teachers, to be pastors, to be be in a position of authority, right? And and I've always I've always you know tried to handle God's word very very carefully. I don't want to say anything I don't I'm not supposed to say, right? I only want to say and reflect what God's truth is from the the Word of God. But one of the things that I I always try to remember is that I am the CRO. Okay. I am just the chief reminding officer. Okay? I am not here to bring anything new to the table except just to help clarify and make accessible the Word of God so it can be applied to our lives, all of our lives. So I don't know that much more than you do. I, I just have an opportunity maybe once a week or, or every so often when we talk to just remind Myself and you. What God wants us to know. He loves us. He cares so deeply for us. He created us for a relationship with himself. We botched it. We, we continue to botch that sometimes. But he loves us so much that he continues to forgive and provide everything that we need for life and for godliness.
to be able to experience the kind of life that we want desperately. So um, the third thing here and the last thing is uh, in, in Judges right there, it says, And Othniel went to war, and the Lord gave him victory. So there was peace in the land for 40 years. You know, we all desperately want to experience God's peace. We all know that circumstances happen. People get sick. Um, things don't go our way. But even in the midst of that, you can experience a measure of peace, right? If you're centered in the right way. But God wants to remind us that we're in a war. And when you're in a war, it, it, it costs. It costs you your time, your effort, your energy, your resources to get things done. Remember, Satan is alive and well. He doesn't want you to experience the love and the peace of God. I mean, he lost it a long time ago. Why? Because he put himself forward. So, if you want to experience God's peace, put Jesus back on the throne. Let him take complete control of you in a way that brings you joy and also purpose and peace. All right? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us everything we need. Uh, Lord, we confess that some days it just feels like a battle. Um, One part of me wants to do what you call me to do and and be the kind of person you want me to be. Uh, Other days I feel like I can't accomplish that, God. And so um, thank you that you have promised that, that you will give us what we need and we need to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on your word. We need to focus on how we can put that word into action so we can overcome to be finally again at a place of peace with you and those we love. So God, we love you. We thank you for uh, the encouragement that we get from your word every time we approach it. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.